Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. It's got to be fiction, but unfortunately, maybe it's true. But in those rooms, you have cameras in the strangest places. Well, what, what, what I'm saying with 100% certainty is that they were working to undermine the Magnitsky Act. You better be careful, or you'll be watching yourself on nightly television. Hello and welcome to Trumpcast. I'm Virginia Heffernan. So sometimes I feel like the president checked into the highest office in the land and intends to saturate the mattress of America with urine before he has to check out at noon. I'm sorry, that's gross. But you know what I'm talking about? Trump is allegedly, 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 by very disreputable and unsubstantiated documents, allegedly supposed to like so-called golden showers watching women pee. And this is usually called lewd or lascivious behavior because that's the tactful way to refer to urine events that are somehow also sexual. But it just occurred to me that we could just say golden showers. I mean, that's what the phrase is for. It classes all this stuff up, golden showers. It sounds kind of unicorny and Narnia and, oh my God, I'm going insane. Okay, so the president has brought up the so-called steel dossier yet again. And, you know, if there was a steel dossier on me, I'd probably steer the conversation away from it. Maybe to that show, This Is Us on NBC. But not Trump. He loves to invoke the Steele dossier. And sometimes it seems he thinks the whole of the Russia investigation is the Steele dossier. And if he can sling enough mud at it, if he can fire it like Comey, the whole thing will go away. But it's not going away. And my guest today is the intrepid and tireless Natasha Bertrand, a reporter on national security at Business Insider. She's my go-to anytime I have a question about Trump-Russia, which is all the time. We're going to talk about the Steele dossier, its sponsors, its authors, and why Trump is bringing it up now. But for some big news, we're coming to San Francisco, Trumpcast listeners. We're going to be at the Norse Theater on November 14th at 7.30 p.m. Join me, Jamel Bowie, Jacob Weisberg, John D. Domenico, and other special guests for a night of Trump Talk. And also, if you haven't already heard, Slate is doing a live show here in New York City on November 8th, the anniversary of the Night of the Hunter, the Curse of the Jade Scorpion, the election, of course, at 7.30 p.m. at the New School Auditorium. 
joined Slate Writers for a series of one-on-one conversations with those at the forefront of politics, media, the law, and activism as they compare notes on the lessons, challenges, and victories they've seen over the past year and what they expect from the next one. For tickets and information to both shows, go to slate.com slash live. And one more super cool thing to plug here. You already listen to podcasts. You're listening to me right now. But what if there were shows for your kids? Well, until now, the offerings for kids have been spotty and hard to find. And that's why Panoply created Pinna, an entire audio service just for kids. Pinna is a standalone iPhone app filled with hours of original stories and serials, great podcasts, and all-you-can-listen-to audiobooks. And there's more added each week. Audio gets your kids off screens and lets them use their imaginations. Pinna is ad-free, guilt-free, and a great activity for car time, bath time, group time, bedtime, or anytime. Try Pinna for free. Go to pinna.fm slash listen. That's pinna.fm slash listen to start your free trial today. We'll get to today's show on the Steele dossier in a minute. But first, in the annals of formerly dignified men now brought low, Rex Tillerson has had to not deny calling the president a moron last week. But after being charged in the New York Times magazine with displaying contemptuous and huffy body language to the president, he's had to issue another denial. Here we have live feed from the Secretary of State's latest dignity-demolishing press conference. I am uh, not happy to have to be here again, but there is a New York Times magazine article that claims, I quote, increasingly roll my eyes when the president says things in meetings. Last week, I had to deny some verbal things attributed to me. Today, it looks like I'm going to have to deny a series of non-verbal things sources have attributed to me. So, I do not, quote, roll my eyes when the president speaks. I do not, quote, let out loud sighs every time the president asks me what the opposite of Obama's decision would be. I have never, quote, chortled loudly during a cabinet meeting on August 5th when the president sought clarification on where Asia was. It is not true that I can be heard from outside my office at the State Department having, quote, fits of laughing and then crying and then laughing and then crying and then laughing again, end quote. I did not run to a wastebasket in the Oval Office and begin to dry heave when the president asked if he could be the one to push the button in the event of a nuclear strike. It is not true that my nose now begins to bleed uncontrollably when I am forced to compliment the president in public. And finally, I did not take a sip of water and then choke on ice while reading a series of tweets about the NFL, causing Vice President Pence to give me the Heimlich while shouting the words, no homo, for the duration of the time our bodies were touching. Uh, That's all for now. No questions. Thank you. (laughs) 
Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Joining me on the line from Manhattan is Natasha Bertrand. She's a political correspondent at Business Insider who writes mainly about national security and foreign policy. Natasha, thanks so much for being here. Thank you. I've wanted you to come on Trumpcast forever because there is truly no one more fluent in Trump Russia than you <laughs> Thank are. you so much. It's a complicated story, but I've been I've been working on it for a while now. So So I know we're supposed to say that the Steele dossier, you know, documents Trump's escapades. We need to it's supposed to have some classy um euphemism for it. But let's just go out and admit it's that triple X report that alleges that Trump had prostitutes pee on a bed in a Moscow hotel maybe to desecrate the mattress that supposedly Obama slept on, because really, what could be hotter? I mean, I think you'll agree with me. (laughs) But those kind of adventures are not a threat to national security. And what's weird to me is sometimes I think that Trump, because he can sort of grok a tabloid story like the prostitutes peeing, because he can understand what that dossier alleges, he thinks that that's all Mueller has. Right, right. And, you know, I would also just, I think that part of the confusion over why the dossier is being taken seriously by the intelligence community is because people think that, you know, the the whole P-tape aspect of it is the only thing that was in it that was remotely, you know, incriminating or, you know, informative about his potential ties to Russia. But but, but it's much more fact, than that. And in fact, yeah. yeah. So, t- so walk us through once again, for anyone who's forgotten, what is the substantively the Steele dossier? So Christopher Steele was hired by this, by this opposition research firm to basically start digging into Trump's ties to Russia last June. He wrote his first memo from Moscow last June, finished it up in December. Um, and over the course of those six months, he spent a long time talking to his sources in Moscow because, of course, he's a former British spy. He spent decades on the Moscow desk of MI6. Um, he spent a lot of time talking to them, high-level government sources, about this whole operation, essentially, to work with the Trump campaign to, you know, undermine Hillary Clinton and, you know, ideally, but not necessarily, win the election. So a lot of the dossier is just kind of discussing the details of that operation, whether it was, you know, the timing of the release of the um, hacked DNC emails or, you know, an agreement between the Trump campaign and Russia that the campaign would sideline the issue of, you know, intervention in Ukraine in exchange for those documents being released. Um, It was just a lot of back and forth about, you know, how they were going to coordinate their efforts in order to uh, kind of make it more likely that Donald Trump would win. I know that there's some confusion about the money behind this the dossier. So why would an opposition research firm that turns up dirt on Donald Trump not be a democratic enterprise? Right. So what's interesting, too, is that this firm was actually first hired by anti-Trump Republicans in late 2015. They wanted to dig up dirt on Donald Trump, you know, not exclusively related to his ties to Russia, but just about anything that they could find on him. The rumor is that it was actually hired originally by Jeb Bush's people. Um, That hasn't been confirmed, but it has been confirmed that it was 
Republicans who first hired the firm itself. Um, after Trump won the nomination, Democrats took over the funding, and that's when Steele began to write his dossier because the Democrats, you know, had a hunch that he had these weird ties to Russia, and they wanted to see if there was anything there. Um, the confusion over, you know, what the president tweeted this morning, which is, was it the Dems, was it the FBI, was it Russia that bankrolled um, the dossier itself, um, that's kind of misguided because, First of all, there's why would Russia fund a dossier that alleged collusion between Russia and Donald Trump? There's just no motivation there to do that. Second of all, there tends to be this confusion over a separate project that Fusion did about two years ago that was funded by a Russian entity, partly to dig up dirt on a guy named Bill Browder who has spearheaded, of course, this sanctions legislation um, that that sanctions high-level Kremlin officials. So that was a completely separate project that was in in part funded by Russian entities, but it had nothing to do with the dossier, which really was an independent project by this former British spy, Christopher Steele. Um, Fusion GPS is, well, first, Bill Browder is a a, uh, Trumpcast regular, and we do talk about Fusion GPS because they're... He and uh, Browder have cased each other for many years. Absolutely. Um, but what is what is Fusion GPS? So not much is known about them. It was founded by three former Wall Street Journal reporters. One of them is Glenn Simpson. Simpson is probably the most high profile of the three, just because he's kind of come to the forefront of it all. And he, of course, um, has had this kind of um, back and forth with Bill Browder over the last few years, because it was him who was hired originally to do the opposition research on Browder by this law firm in the United States that was itself hired to defend this company that was accused of money laundering, this Russian company accused of money laundering called Prevazon. But at its core, Fusion is an opposition research firm. They have done Oppo research um, for issues on both sides of the aisle. They're not, you know, exclusively um, a firm that Democrats go to or that Republicans go to. They're just kind of guns for hire, essentially. And so, so I've I've heard uh, Bill Browder lump them in with what he calls influence operations, and even raise questions about how credentialed journalists from places like the Wall Street Journal might be incentivized to form something like Fusion GPS which Mm -hmm. ends up doing some um, morally flexible work. How about that? Right. And yeah, I mean, this kind of goes along with them being guns for hire. I mean, they are, Glenn Simpson was an investigative reporter, um, and it kind of depends who you talk to. If you talk to Glenn, he'll tell you that he's basically doing these investigations for whoever pays him and, and that he's doing opposition research and that he really has no ideological commitments one way or the other. But if you talk to to Bill, for example, um, he's been the subject of a lot of that opposition research, a lot of it, which he claims is is false. So it's really, a lot of it comes down to he said, he said. Um, But I would say that it's definitely, there are a lot of moral gray areas in what Fusion does. And I think that a lot of people, a lot of, uh, a big reason why a lot of people are very skeptical of them is because they are so secretive. Um, we're seeing now that they don't want to testify before the, the House Intelligence Committee um, because they are worried that by doing so, they might compromise the integrity of their clients. They might need to reveal information that would basically run against the core of their business model, um, which is anonymity. So there's, there's a lot about it that we don't know. If you look at their website, Fusion GPS, it's very sparse. 
Um, and it just kind of has the feel of, 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 yeah, an influence operation. So today's, if you get your news from at real Donald Trump, what you would see on Twitter is he says workers of firm involved with the discredited and fake, capital fake, dossier, capital dossier, take the fifth. Who paid for it? Russia, the FBI, or the Dems, or all? You say this couldn't be more wrong along four axes. So let's get into they didn't plead the fifth, which is what you said in response to Trump's tweet. So this mm-hmm. would be workers of the firm, I assume that's GPS, involved with the dossier, take the fifth is what he says. You say they didn't plead the fifth. What did they do? So this is a very nuanced kind of thing, too. Um, the lawyers, they don't technically have a legal ground to stand on to plead the fifth. The only way, uh, according to lawyers I've spoken to, the only way they could plead the fifth is if they thought that they had criminal liability. But it's, it's not clear that they do. The other way that they could plead the fifth is if they thought if, if there were some kind of privileged communications um, that could be compromised by them testifying. And, and that that's not clear either because they're not lawyers. So what they're saying is that, or what their lawyer has said, is that they're invoking their constitutional privileges. And in a very lengthy letter that he wrote to the chairman of the House Intelligence Committee, he cited the First Amendment and the Third Amendment. He cited more, he rested more heavily on the first, saying essentially that candidates running for office have a First Amendment right to hire opposition researchers, do opposition research, and forcing them to, to testify would chill their First Amendment rights to essentially, you know, do that. But nowhere in that statement does it say that they pleaded the fifth. Mm-hmm. And I have yet to speak to anybody who told me that they invoked their Fifth Amendment rights, again, because it's not clear that they could legally do that. Glenn Simpson's been abroad for much of this. I mean, there was talk. He is not, let's say, generously um, cooperating with the committees. But I will note that he testified for about 10 hours before the Senate Judiciary Committee in August. Ah, okay. Um, yeah, so he, there is that transcript, and that's part of the reason why Fusion's lawyers have been um, kind of annoyed, is because they said, well, if, if Devin Nunes really wanted to know what Glenn Simpson had to say that badly, he could just ask for the transcript from the Senate Judiciary Committee um, before required, before issuing him a subpoena to see if it, all of his questions were essentially cleared up by Simpson during that testimony. But apparently, um, Nunes did not do that and just went ahead and subpoenaed him anyway. Um, so there has been some, there's been some level of cooperation between Fusion um, and the Senate Intelligence Committee and the Senate Judiciary Committee. But I think that the Fusion's lawyers now are essentially pushing back against being forced to, they, they, they had said to the Intelligence Committee that they were willing to cooperate voluntarily. And now that Nunes is kind of pushing them in one direction, they're, they're fighting back a little. Got it. Okay, that the that August testimony had slipped my mind. Sometimes things in Trump Russia don't uh, <laughs> the, the mind reels. Understandable. Um, so you say the the second the second way that you challenged Trump's tweet, who paid for it? He says the choices or the choice the multiple choice he gives us are Russia, the FBI, or the Democrats. You point out the Republicans hired Fusion, as you said earlier, possibly working for one of the other primary candidates. So opposition research on Trump by someone possibly, possibly Jeb Bush. We're not saying it is. Um, and then the the Dems funded later. So who when did the Democrats enter the Fusion GPS web? So we don't know actually any of the Democratic entities. We don't know. For, we don't know. Just like we don't know which Republicans funded it, we don't know which Democrats funded it. But the 
reporting has indicated that the Democrats took over right after Trump won or accepted the GOP nomination. So in, well, actually right after he won the GOP nomination. So that would have been in June-ish, May or June. But they didn't commission the dossier. That might. So the Republicans did not commission the dossier, to my understanding. But it's unclear whether the Democrats actually did. All we know is that the Democrats took over the funding for fusion for the opposition research that Fusion was doing. And then, you know, perhaps they said to Fusion, look, in, if we would, you know, could you look into Trump's Russia ties? And then that's when Fusion went to Christopher Steele um, and asked him to do research. And then Steele then sent memos back to, to Fusion over the course of those six months. The Steele dossier also has tracks down some possible leads and, and doesn't find much about Hillary Clinton's connections to the Kremlin, right? So it's not just digging dirt on Donald Trump? No, not at all. Um, the dossier does make some mention of uh, the Kremlin having compromise on Hillary Clinton. Um, we don't know what that is. Um, he doesn't go into detail in that into that, but they do say that Hillary Clinton had some things that, the, that Russia found worthy of keeping as blackmail. Um, so, Again, like it's not completely clear that this was a project that was aimed only at undermining Trump. It was just over the course of his research, he found out about this project, um, about this operation, or so he says, about this operation to for collusion between the campaign and Russia. And he was apparently so alarmed by it that he then notified the FBI. But it's important to remember that he was not he's not an intelligence analyst. He was just collecting this information and then sending it back essentially to Fusion to analyze. Whenever you talk to intelligence community people, they always are very clear to make the distinction between people who collect the data and people who analyze it. So what Christopher Steele was hired to do wasn't necessarily to analyze or corroborate or confirm any of this information in real time. He was only hired to collect it and then send it back to be verified. Um, over the course of his collecting this data, he apparently became concerned and he tried to bring the FBI into it. So the, the right. So I think I've heard the distinction between raw intelligence, raw intel, that which is what Steele delivered, and then something called finished intel, which would be analyzed, fact-checked intelligence. Exactly. You also point out, as you have with us, that the, this is on Twitter that Steele wrote the dossier, not Fusion, which we get. And then um, another uh, masterful analyst of Trump Russia who shows up on Twitter is Renato Mariotti. He added to your point that the dossier is not, in fact, bogus. Parts of it have been confirmed. So, right. So I think that it's less things that have been confirmed and things that have less things that have been confirmed and more that it nothing about it has been disproven mm -hmm. other than that one detail about Trump's lawyer, Michael Cohen, being in Prague um, when, in fact, he was not in Prague at the time that the dossier says that he was in Prague. Um, so that that apparent, that is something that is a, a factually incorrect detail that the dossier that it was included in the dossier that has allowed people to say, look, the whole thing is kind of BS. When you look back and you compare the allegations made in the dossier to, um, you know, things that actually happened during the campaign, there are a number of strikingly similar and eerie coincidences. Um, so, for example, there's a lot in there about what happened when Carter Page, the early Trump foreign policy advisor, went to Moscow. Mm -hmm. He did go to Moscow. That is true. 
Um, but we don't know what he did when he was in Moscow. He says that he went there to give a speech and then he came back. The dossier says that when he was there, he met with a really high level oil official and essentially was acting as a liaison between the Trump campaign and Russia and making some kind of deal wherein he would get a, a portion of the proceeds from the sale of a major oil company, Rosneft, in Russia, mm-hmm. um, in exchange for going back to the campaign and delivering, you know, the Russians' message and kind of helping facilitate that that coordination. So these are things that, you know, the, the intelligence community is looking at them and they're saying, okay, that's what the dossier says. We will need to go back and verify if that is indeed what happened. Things that were in the dossier were apparently so convincing and so worthy of pursuing mm. that the FBI used them to bolster, not to not not on its own, but to bolster the case for um, a FISA warrant against Carter Page, a FISA warrant is Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act um, warrant, which essentially allows them to monitor his communications with foreign officials um, on U.S. soil. So they... That is according to reporting. Um, if we're to believe that reporting is correct, then there's also reason to believe that they thought that what was said about Trump's former campaign manager, Paul Manafort, campaign chairman, um, was also, you know, very damning. Um, there were things in there about how Paul Manafort was getting kickback payments from the Ukrainian, the former Ukrainian president, Viktor Yanukovych. Um, Yanukovych, of course, is now in Russia. The dossier states that Yanukovych was paying Manafort kickback payments in exchange for facilitating this coordination, essentially using Carter Page as a go-between, but Manafort was directing it all, and that Putin became very concerned that there could be a money trail, and so he instructed Yanukovych to stop paying Manafort and to essentially cut off that communication. Four days after that was reported to have happened in the dossier, Manafort left the campaign. So there are, you know, if you kind of line up the dossier dates with reality, there are a number of, of very striking coincidences that, you know, are probably worth a closer look. I noticed in the when Bill Browder testified um, before the Senate committee, he said um, he was asked a lot of questions again about what the party biases, the American party biases of Fusion GPS was. You believe that Fusion GPS should have registered under FARA because they were acting on the behalf of the Russians. That's correct. So I just want to absorb that for a moment. The group that did the dossier on President Trump hired this British spy, wound up getting it to the FBI. You believe they were working for the Russians. And in the spring and summer of 2016, um, they were um, receiving money indirectly from Uh, a senior Russian government official. Okay. And Browder took pains to point out that that it's a mistake to see this opposition research as one party, one American party against the other, at least in the operation that he feels he was subjected to at the hands of uh, Glenn Simpson and Fusion GPS, that it was the ties of Fusion GPS to Russian, to the Russians, that's the most significant thing here. I guess maybe you can tell us whether you really believe that the op that Fusion GPS conducted against Bill Browder, this one that involves even Natalia Veselnitskaya, the lawyer that is at the center of the June 2016 meeting with Don Jr., that's the the operation of Fusion GPS that Bill Browder was concerned about. The, then this second operation that produces the Steele dossier, you say, is entirely distinct. Is it possible 
that there's some bleed through that that Fusion GPS's allegiance is primarily to to the Kremlin or to or to Russians, and that that bleeds through its work even on the Steele dossier. I just don't see how you can make that argument mm. because when you talk to Glenn, as I have, and Fusion, I mean, their argument is that they were hired by Baker Hosletter, which is this American law firm that they had right. worked with in the past, far like long before um, they were hired by Prevazon. Um, to do opposition research, that they were hired by them essentially to dig into Bill Browder, not to do work on behalf of the Kremlin, but, you know, to basically undermine Browder's assertion about the Magnitsky, uh, about Magnitsky, um, which of course is very near and dear to, to Russia's heart. I mean, it's, it's, it's a key foreign policy objective of Putin's to, to undo the Magnitsky Act. There's no doubting that. But, I just don't see the connection between Fusion GPS doing work for Baker Hosletter and Fusion GPS having an allegiance to Russia. I think that that's a bit of a stretch. That being said, you know, there are questions, there are legitimate questions that, that should be asked about how much of this work went past just digging into Browder um, and perhaps you know, how much communication Fusion might have had with Natalia Veselnitskaya um, as they were looking into uh, the um, Browder's Magnitsky work. Um, that is certainly a coincidence that it's troubling. I mean, that she showed up at the Trump Tower meeting and that, you know, she had the past connection to Fusion GPS and that coincidentally Fusion GPS was actually also the firm that um, hired Steele to do the Russia dossier. But I still truly believe that it is a stretch to say that this past work that, that Fusion did for Baker Hall's letter was connected in any way to their hiring of, of Chris Steele, who at this point was at his own opposition research firm in London um, and who then was essentially commissioned by Fusion to go to Russia and dig into these these ties. Um, also, I, I don't think that you could read that dossier and come away with it, come away from it saying, this was clearly funded by Russia. This is very favorable to Russia. I mean, the entire dossier is pretty much explaining how, you know, uh, Putin engaged in this, you know, lengthy campaign to to infiltrate the American election. I mean, that may be something that Putin would like to brag about, perhaps, but it's also something that they've gone to great pains to deny um, over the last year. So it's it's really it's an open question, but it's it's definitely one worth asking. So how, my final question for you, how central, in your opinion, is the Steele dossier and the work of Fusion GPS to the whole, to the Trump-Russia investigation? Uh, I don't think that it's key. Um, I think that, again, there's been a lot of reporting about how the FBI and the congressional intelligence committees are using it as a kind of guideline, how they're taking it and they're working backwards from it and using it as kind of a tip. You know, like reporters, we get tips all the time. We chase them down because, you know, they may be, there may be something to them and there may not be. But a lot of the investigations that we've seen and, you know, a lot of the, the, the trails that Mueller, for example, is going down um, or that the congressional intelligence committees are going down really are completely distinct from the allegations that are made in the dossier. Um, for example, there's nothing in the dossier about how an ally of Michael Flynn was essentially conducting his own dark web operations guy Peter Smith to look for the emails that he thought had been stolen um, from Hillary Clinton. And he was trying to find the hackers that did that. And now the intelligence committees and Mueller have interviewed a, an American cyber security expert who 
says that he was commissioned essentially to collude with the Russians. Mm-hmm. These are all storylines essentially that keep popping up. I mean, there's nothing in the dossier about the Trump-Russia meeting that happened at Trump Tower. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, you know, that obviously is something that just popped up. So a lot of, a lot of the problems that Trump and the Trump campaign are having is that they just have not been completely forthcoming about their contacts with Russians during the campaign. And that kind of, you know, unwillingness to be completely forthcoming has created all these questions about, well, you know, why aren't they? What do they have to hide? Um, and that, in turn, is just fueling more avenues for investigation. So while the dossier is definitely like a useful guideline, I, I would not argue in, in any sense that it is um, necessary to... Um, the investigation's uh, trajectory. Got it. All right. Well, thank you so much for being here, Natasha, and we'll have you back soon. Thank you. That's it for today's show. Trumpcast is produced by Jason DeLeon. Steve Waltine is our voice of Rex Tillerson, and he wrote Rex Tillerson's nonverbal denials. Oh my God, I love that thing, and I'm Virginia Heffernan. Thanks for listening to Trumpcast.